Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, Galatians 6, 1 through 10. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. For let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Throughout the New Testament, one constant issue among brethren in the first century was the long-standing friction between the Jews and the Gentiles. So there was prejudice, lack of trust, enmity, suspicion, all of those sorts of dispositions challenged the commitment to be united in Christ among those who held rightly to those good attitudes. Misunderstanding of God's sovereign plan is addressed by Paul in Romans 9, 10, and 11. And we'll be addressing that beginning in the Wednesday night class. Matters of cultural difference between Jew and Gentile in the realm of opinion, that's addressed in Romans 14. These kinds of issues came to the surface repeatedly in the time of the apostles. In addition to everything else that might be said about that, one impact was certainly it was discouraging to Christians. They were weary, Jew or Gentile, perhaps at a low point, trying to process all of that conflict, no doubt some would reach a place of such discouragement, the next step was just to quit, to give up. The story was once told to make a point that the devil had a sale offering to his ministers many of his tools. And they came into this huge tool shed and they looked over all the devices and the equipment the devil had used since the first temptation back in the garden. And as the devil's ministers looked over all of his implements, 
there was this wedge-like instrument hanging on the wall, and somebody said, what is that? And the devil quickly said, that's not for sale. And a few minutes later, the inquiry came back, well, what is that? And the devil said, it's not for sale. If I'm unable to succeed with any of the other tools in my shed, I can almost always use this one and succeed. And upon second look, the devil's ministers could see in small print, the tool was labeled discouragement. The devil may not get me to lie, may not get you to lie, to engage in theft or fraud, to hurt someone with an insult, to engage in some impulsive, passionate sin of the flesh. But the devil can discourage me and the devil can discourage you when all of these other things might not reach us at all. The devil can discourage you. He can use that sharp wedge-like instrument to gradually pry into your heart and take you down away from God and to your own destruction. And this is one reason why Paul said to Christians in Galatia, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not give up. You know, the devil is like modern day newscasters. They give you all the bad headlines first, right at the top of the news report. If there's any good news, that comes at the very end of the program, the last two minutes, if there is time. The emphasis on the top of the newscast is the bad economy, the violence of wars and rumors of wars, the threat of disease, the decline of liberty and peace, and everything that bleeds leads in the news feed. But I tell you, before there was any such thing as news media, the devil has been using that tactic long before modern day news. The devil wants to remind you every day that everything is going bad, nothing good, no matter what you do, you might as well give up and join them. The devil wants us to think that there is no point to preaching the gospel because nobody listens anyway. The devil wants us to believe that everybody around us is ignorant and spiritually dull and certainly not as good as we are and so why care? Now, the devil can't inject us with all that negativity in one injection. But he can give us just a little and then a little more, and he can keep pumping that bad stuff into our minds, and one day we are liable to say, I quit. I'm not serving God anymore. There's no point. Everything and everybody is so messed up. I'm just going to go have a good time and give up church and duty. I'm just tired. I quit. The devil can't do that to you at 9 o'clock on Tuesday, but he can do it to us very slowly.
You see why the devil wouldn't sell that wedge of discouragement when every other device and temptation doesn't work he can take us down very slowly through discouragement and this is one reason why Paul said to Christians in Galatia let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up concerning all of this I want us to see here in Galatians chapter 6 four statements that can protect us against the devil's wedge of discouragement. Four statements in Galatians 6 that can protect us against this wedge of discouragement. Number one, brothers... If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And we might say, on the subject we are in pursuit of tonight, I thought this sermon would be helping me overcome discouragement. I thought this was about protecting myself. I thought this was all about me. In the churches in Galatia, perhaps the response of the immature might be, what about me? What about us Jews helping other Jews? What about us Gentiles helping other Gentiles? Well, maybe we've just identified one dimension of the problem that needs our attention. When I listened to the devil's negative talk and news feed, and I began to think, woe is me, I'm going internal. I'm getting focused on me and how bad it is for me and my thoughts. One protective measure God intends for his people to use to keep us from sin and discouragement is to help each other. When you consistently reach out to others to restore them, to encourage them, to serve them with gentleness, as you reach out to others, you step away from self-focus and self-interest and self-pity. When you refuse prejudiced and protective profiling, you know what is urgent? Bear one another's burdens. This is God's imperative to his people to be so involved in helping each other, there's no room in our minds to get all bogged down in the negative wasteland of tangled futility, unjust suspicion or prejudice. And notice what Paul calls this, the law of of Christ. And part of the law of Christ can help you, that's here, is to help others. <coughs> the devil wants to use his sharp wedge of discouragement to open us up to isolation and indifference. He wants you to take he wants to take you down the pathway of past experience of, of mistreatment. He wants you to get all involved in judgmental harpooning. 
the law of Christ wants to open you up to service and bearing one another's burdens. Could it be when we help others carry their load, we not only lighten their load, we lighten our load. And when we are meek and tender and humble in helping others, those qualities can serve to protect us with whatever the devil wants to gradually slip into our minds. I tell you, I heard this said a long time ago and it's true. Virtue begets virtue. Virtue begets virtue. So to protect ourselves against discouragement that could slip in, one thing we need to do is be a rescuer. That's part of our protection against discouragement to help others who may be discouraged. Help one another. That's the law of Christ. And notice what else is here. Keep watch on yourself. Right in the middle of verse 1. Keep watch on yourself. Lest you also be tempted. <clears throat> Lethargy or discouragement is not something that suddenly knocks you on the ground. It's not something that knocks at your door and you open the door and you're slammed down by it. The devil uses his wedge to slowly open up some cracks and push in just a little dullness, a little self-pity, a little doubt. It is necessary to guard ourselves against those gaps, those almost undetectable cavities where the devil can slip in. Remember, the devil in this case isn't using dynamite or a sledgehammer. It's like a wedge-shaped tool that moves slowly but with deadly purpose. And in this context, when I'm active in serving others and I'm attempting to restore and rescue others who are drifted with the spirit of gentleness, I must never lose sight of my own vulnerability. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. The firefighter who goes in to rescue people wears protective gear. The law enforcement officer who goes in to save people and protect people and take bad guys down, wears equipment lest he become a victim. Medical professional people wear protective gear. Jude says, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. I have to know that I'm vulnerable when I'm attempting to rescue others. I could be caught up in the negative interpretations of everything and everybody that I'm trying to help somebody out of. Those who stand firm against discouragement are the watchful who examine themselves 
and apply the word to their thoughts and their lives. Keep watch on yourself. Carry burdens, rescue sinners, but examine yourself because all the negative attitudes and spiritual destruction you're trying to help others with, the devil can use all that to slip into your mind with that wedge-shaped tool. Don't be deceived. I'm looking now down at verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. I think the devil, with his sharp wedge of discouragement, wants us to start thinking that God is just playing with us. He wants us to sow, but he knows there will be no harvest. So if we let that thought find a home in us, why sow if there is no reaping? What's the point? Why do good if there's no good outcome? Doubt feeds doubt. If virtue begets virtue, doubt feeds doubt. The wedge sinks a little deeper and gradually we are deceived. God, in fact, isn't playing around with us. And we must never take lightly his sovereignty and his faithfulness. The devil wants us to be deceived and divided and distracted and just quit, if not tomorrow, gradually and sometime later. But the ill-conceived notion that the seed God gives us to plant will never do anything, or that we plant bad seed and get good results, Paul says, don't be deceived about that. You know, the devil cannot change what God has fixed. The devil cannot change what God has fixed. Sow to your own flesh, and the harvest will be corrupt. Sow to the Spirit, and you will reap eternal life. Now, here's what we may do if we are careless. We think, well, my situation is different. My situation is different. I can sow in one way and I can reap another way. My situation is unique. When we think that, two things are happening. One, we're deceiving ourselves and two, we're mocking God. Our capacity for self-deception ought to be frightening. We can be brilliant in spotting self-deception in others but blind to our own misdirection and emotion and rationalizing. Paul says, don't be deceived. The negative gloom and doom news feeds must not change us. Don't lose heart. And then in verse 9, it becomes very obvious in verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. It's been one of the great blessings of my life 
to know so many people who exhibited character through severe storms of hostility and disease and persecution and conflict. And when I talk to people like that who've been through the storms of life and yet persevered, the very common thing that I hear is, don't give up. Don't give up. You'll come to several places on the road where the sign says, here's a good place to give up. Don't do that. Finish strong like Paul. Turn to 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Here are the last words of a man who came to several places where the earthly signals, the earthly signals may have said, this is a good place to give up. It's too hard. It's not worth it. People are not responding. There are no immediate results or benefits, so just give up. But here's what this man said in 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth... There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. Here's what I like to call this. Finishing strong. And we can finish strong. The devil would like to use his wedge of discouragement to gradually weaken us so that we do not finish the race. I said to us earlier, the devil will not do that in a moment at 9 o'clock on Tuesday. He'll do it over time. Don't give up. Here's what I want to conclude with. The devil wants us to be hopeless Sleepless, joyless, and faithless. He will use all his weapons and tools to accomplish those purposes. And the devil is relentless. He wants us to react to everything we hear and see and remember by being deceived and discouraged and beaten down. He wants us to look around and say, it's no use. He wants us to gradually, not all of a sudden, he wants us to gradually stop praying, stop reading our Bibles, stop attending, stop evangelizing, just stop. He is applying that sharp wedge of discouragement and it's almost silent and invisible. He wants to do to us what he attempted to do to the early church. Divide and conquer. And so we have to say no to the devil 
every day. Brothers, if anyone is called in any transgression, you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's be standing as we sing.